State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where, where the streets, streets and, and politics meet. What's up, my What's going son? On? How you I feeling? See you so you got your little days, until yeah. freedom swag yeah. on. You we, know what I'm saying? Because we said, hey, we wear everybody else. Yeah, man, stuff. we gotta support our own, man. This is our brand. That's until right. freedom is our organization. This is our brand. So you know, we always supporting everybody else and wearing everybody else's garments. Yeah. We decided we were gonna be until freedom today. Some of our some people send us a lot of nice things. Yep. And Vlad and Mia, they hook us up they every do. week. But this time it was, you know, important to, It's the until freedom for me. It's the until freedom for me too. And it's the last um week of Black History Month. And yeah, so yeah, celebrating your own, supporting your own people who are watching and listening. If you want to support our organization, Until Freedom, you can go to UntilFreedom.com, purchase a sweatsuit, hats, um, t-shirts, all types of swag. We got, what you, we got what you need. We definitely do. And this is just two examples of yeah, this is, the fact. I'm, I'm, wear, I'm wearing the luscious red today. <laughs> and also good quality sweatsuits. Good we quality. pride ourselves in making sure that anything uh, that we sell, we would actually wear. So That's a fact. Um, hopefully you guys will support us. So what's going on? There's a lot happening. I mean, it's another episode. Every week we've been having some incredible individuals on talking about a lot of great things. You know, I there's been a lot of favorites for me, but I think Hill Harper was definitely one of the, yeah. um, you know. Hill, Hill was... Um... It yeah. was touching. It, it was, was touching. It was a combination of things. Yeah, it, was, it was, you know, touching. it was it was a tearjerker. Yeah. Then we had a little couple moments where we smiled and laughed, you know, especially since, you know, I knew him. Oh, first, Lord, jeez. I'm just oh, being honest. Lord. I knew him from his first movie yeah. before it was even in the bio. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The movie well, I know. But you, you know, all so. confirmed that. I yes, want to be able to say that you're, you know, 
fibbing, but I can't because it's true. But Hill's Hill's a good guy, and you know his personality Mm -hmm. is one that I would see you connecting with. Yeah, because you know it's authentic. Like that's what it is for us. It's just like I I connect with authentic. It's so many different people that I have relationships and friendships with that people don't know. Right. You know, when I have so many different kind of friends, and they the only common denominator in all of them is just that they're authentic and they comfortable being who they are. So, yeah. you know, Hill is definitely one of those guys, man. So Thinking salute to him. That, uh, relationships, people we have relationships with. You know, one group of people that I find myself always super duper engaged with is elderly folks. Like, I love my elders. I love the Cora Masters Berries and the that's, Hazel Dukes and others. Right um, I spend a lot of time talking to them. And, you know, I feel like, uh, especially as we're celebrating back Black history, there is so much, such a wealth of knowledge out there from our elders that we can gain from learning about our past so that we understand, one, that the moments that what we're experiencing right now, it's not new. The mm-hmm. only thing that's new is the approach that we will take to address these issues. And a lot of times, that's a remix of things that happened in the past. Um, but, you know, it also, I think, informs us when you have strong relationships with our, with elders, it informs our path forward and it helps you to sort of ground yourself in a foundation. So you're not feeling like you're creating. I, I hate to hear people say, oh, this is the first time that, you know, Ain't we ever, now it's not what they Ain't say, nothing, nothing new, under, new the under the sun. And so it's uh, Black History, I would say for this week as folks, and, and Black History is every month, Black History is every day. That's right. But I would say that to don't parents, Don't just relegate us to no one month. No, nah, and not the shortest month of the year. But I would say to parents um, that this is a good time to take your children around elders, even you learning from people who have been a part of these struggles and have, you know, and and of course you got your grandparents and your immediate family, but I'm talking about staples in the community, yeah. other people that you could talk to to get education. You, you got to have that, man. Like that's one of our, our mantras that we stand on the shoulders of our elders. We say that all the time. We stand on the shoulders of giants and we're just paying our path forward. You know, one of the things you always say is that it's res- we are responsible for winning our own freedom. Yeah, well, you know? Harriet, I mean, Har- not Harriet, um, uh, Coretta Scott King. Coretta Scott that. King said yes, that. So right. when you say that all the time, I'm like, that's right. I you borrowed know? it. You borrowed it. And that's, <laughs> what, and that's what we do. We borrow from our elders and we just got to be, you know, I don't understand, like, a lot of this culture and this generation, they have a problem with elders, right? They have a yeah, problem with giving credit to the elders. They want to be like, oh, you too old. And and. and and it's a privilege to be old. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's a privilege to actually have accomplished things and you know grown and have wisdom. You know, and, and I always looked at like you said, I always have the utmost respect for my elders. I used to sit at the feet of my elders and just listen. Like, you know, when Harry Belafonte talks to us, mm. we just sit there and just take and when Cora's Masters Barry is talking to us and we just sit there and listen to what she says, you know, you know, so Speaking I, I, of of Harry Belafonte, it's his birthday. His birthday, and there's yes. a, a major ninety four cele- celebration that's happening. Shout so, out, Mr. B, man, ninety four years old. Ninety four years old. I mean, and it's like, like you said, it's a privilege to get old because, based upon um, Mr. B's life and everything that he has done and how he's been so much so engaged in the movement, he could have been gone 
just like uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and so many others. And he, you know, has has lasted and also has been such an inspiration to so many younger activists who've, who've come up sort of behind him. And I always tell people with money, because, you know, I we, we are always talking to folks who have the resources, but they'll say, well, you know, I can't necessarily be out there on the front lines with you, but I'm trying to figure out what can I do? And I think, you know, for one, Jay-Z certainly is, is one who is trying to follow in Harry Belafonte's footsteps in terms of funding organizers and organizations that are doing great work. Um, and, I, and, you know, that's a suggestion for us all. If we want to borrow uh, some of the wisdom, leadership, and some of the skills of our elders and want to make some commitments during Black History Month, it's a good time to say that I am going to begin sending $10, $15, buy an Until Freedom sweatsuit, uh, send another grassroots organization some resources to help them to That's be right. able to continue to do their work. And so, you know, those commitments are important. I don't think that Black History Month should just be about us studying things and reading back over that's that's it's good it's about creating it's good but it's yeah it's about like now what's your commitment we've exactly. learned we understand now how you're going to jump in we, like i say you know we have black history we have black present mm -hmm. and then we got black future and we have black you know? future so if you in black present you're supposed to be creating for the future and creating right. history you know and playing it forward like um one of the things i want to talk about is the the originator of black of history. Black, that's right. We said you know, going forward, someone in your comments was asking about February 13th, which is the day before Valentine's Day, and they were explaining that the 13th is has been uh, called um, Black Love Day and talking about black folks who actually created um, that day and, and sort of a holiday of its own. And we right. said- Going forward, when we talk about holidays, we want to give whatever the information, yeah, the context so, for how these holidays came exactly. to be. Exactly. And Carter G. Woodson, who created, who started with Black History Week, mm. you know, he decided to create a Black History Week in 1816, which carried over and eventually led to, you know, the foundation for Black History Month. So a lot of people, because people was in my comments, like, I don't want that pagan holiday that was a white man. So no, a white man didn't start. Carter G. Woodson started. He, but I think he they were talking the about. I think they were talking about the actual when it was actually implemented. Valentine's Day. No, they no, were they talking. talking they were talking about Black History Month. Oh, okay. You know, um, I forgot which president was that took the Black History Week and then extended it into the month. But the foundation was set by Carter G. Woodson, who created Black History Week. Mm -hmm, so that's right. That's so let's right. get let's know a little things so, before you yeah. start talking about stuff. That's really, it's, it's really important to know. I mean, there's been so many contributions and, you know, as we were talking about supporting activists and leaders, I was having a conversation um, this week with a, a loved one who said, after watching the documentary that was done on my life, which is currently on stars, um, it's, it, it's not my life. It's actually a part of my life, a time period of my life. It's on stars. It's called, this is personal. Uh, folks can check it out. And at, as she was watching it, um, she said, you know, I realize you have a real, real job and I see what it is that you do. And I thought to myself, wow, there's so many people who don't really understand what we do. And so it made me think of my thought of today. Because that's what I do. I think. And I come up with my 
thought of the day. And that is, why don't people understand that being an activist and an organizer, it is a full-time job, if not like a lifestyle? It's a real job. It actually is a real job. Because people think that it's just like, oh, what you do? I know I'm an activist. I, I literally have to apply work. All day, every day. And right. it's a life, like you said, it's a full-time, lifetime job. You don't get to sleep and say, yo, you know, I'm working from nine to five. I ain't doing nothing after five o'clock. Right. You know? Right. Because somebody is killed every minute of the day. You know, some young black man or some young poor person from, you know, um compromised communities are being abused and the civil rights are being violated every day. So we have right. to be on call all the time. We have to get up and go to somebody else's city or somebody else's state. We have to go bring attention to these things at all times. So our job never stops. And I think people take it for granted. Right. Yeah. You know, even doesn't... even your own family takes it for granted. They don't see they see they see the moments, right? They see the news clip. They see the video. They see the the people reposting the thing and they say, oh that's something that happened for 30 seconds or one but they don't realize the work that's going into this clip right. that you've seen. They right. don't realize the planning and the organizing and how you have this and you and you putting your life on the line. A lot of people just don't really see it that way, you know. And yeah, it's they sad. don't. And you know, I and, and I and I as she was speaking to me, I was reflecting on how often I have heard from people, wow, you know, what you do looks fun or you know, and we make it fun because you have, have to, fun. if you're on the road for six days, seven days, no one wants to be in a situation where every moment of it is traumatizing. So you have to actually build in It's living in your purpose. For, when you live yeah, in your when purpose, you're living your purpose, you know, you, they say That's when so you live in your purpose, so you never work one day. Yeah. So I think because this is what we ordained to do, this mm. is our purpose, we make it seem like it's fun, right? We able to smile when we should be crying. You know, we able to see the the glass is half full and continue to persevere and move through times even after we done cried for six hours, the seventh hour, we might say, yo, let's hug and laugh about something. And one body, somebody tells a joke, you know, and we sitting around eating together and, right. and, and just live in family and community. So we figure out a way because it's our purpose, but it's definitely a job and it's a lot. And yes. it's a, and and you know building relationships with people who are traumatized as well that takes a lot of work you know when we are in places like Louisville Kentucky it takes us a while days to rekindle and ignite the fire among the the groups that we're working with doesn't mean that they're not doing their own thing all the time but each time that we come back it's kind of like okay where do we start again how do we continue to work together and we have to actually put time and effort into building those relationships and making sure that there's trust and that's it and that takes work on both sides on you know from from our side and from the individuals that we're working with we also support families i can't tell you the amount of families that we talk to all day, every day, supporting them financially, supporting their uh, fundraisers and events and other things that they're doing. It, it takes a lot of work to accomplish what we do and knowing and understanding, because I, I guess the next criticism from people is like, yeah, well, how, you know, we're not, what are we getting done? And I say all the time, none of us have actually been able to get us free. Like not what you're doing, not what what I'm doing. We're all working towards a goal and we're fighting and standing alongside one another. And just because you don't see me in a, you know, in scrubs 
going into a hospital doesn't mean that I'm not working on the sickness that is happening within our communities. And my scrubs may not look like, you know, my sister's uniform as a nurse, but my scrubs look like an Until Freedom sweatsuit. So that for me um, is, you know, my thought of the day. As I said, it was deeply, um, not so much troubling, but when, when she said it to me, I realized that this is someone who's known me my whole life. And she's saying, wow, like you really have a, a real serious job. So imagine what other people are thinking that are not really around. And all they do is listen to people telling us or, you know, the folks on in the media, you, you let God bless if you watch Fox News, where they tell you that every, we're all poverty pimpers. And oh, we, yeah, we're not supposed to sell pimps. sweatsuits. We're not supposed to sell sweatsuits. We're not <laughs> oh, supposed no. to get um, contributions. We're not supposed to have nothing. We're supposed to just go outside on the front lines, risk your life, can't you know, take care can't your take family. care of your family, yeah. just be starving and hungry. I was listening to somebody say last night that um, Martin Luther King died with so much money and he was taking money from people. And I'm just yeah, like, what Martin Luther King was y'all talking about? No. I've, had, I've had people tell me, you know, I worked for Reverend Al for uh, a long time, 14 years, and, and, and was a part of National Action Network since, you know, before that. And I would hear people say, Oh, you know, he he takes money from the families and he's, you know, and 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 that's how he, you know, wears his suits or whatever the families and their settlement checks. I literally was there, right? Like come up with another criticism about all of us and you can find one. But that is a bold-faced lie. I was there, and if anything, he literally worked at Nan during the week, and then on the weekends, he would go out and preach so he could make money so that to help us make payroll and also to be able to give families resources because most of the time, the families that we we are dealing with, these are individuals who, are, who come from really impoverished uh, circumstances, yep. right? That's why it happens to them because they live in certain hoods, they're dealing with certain things, and these individuals individuals now that you're working with them, they might need a suit to be able to go to court. They may need, they, they, people, people are in regular life, right? So you meet a family and their loved one was killed Tuesday, Saturday, they still trying to figure out how to get the rent because the rent was already due. And the exactly. rent man doesn't say, well, yeah. now that your loved one has been killed and you're in the middle of a, of a big you know, a uh, 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 situation, they don't say, well, you don't got to pay me. You still have to come up with that money. And sometimes you got to help That's right. to do that. If you claim to be a leader, you're working with people, you have to be able to find solutions. How many funerals? Pay for funerals. How yeah. many funerals? How many funerals, funerals have yeah. we paid for or helped to pay for for individuals, people that folks don't even know. Yep. People it, locked up in prisons who've died. People um, who died just on the corners. That, children. You know, children. Absolutely. So, so anyway. Yeah. That's, bottom line is it's, it's a full-time it's job. It's a full-time job. Full and time. a lifestyle. And a lifestyle. Yes. Full-time. So the streets is talking. The streets are always talking. The streets is talking. And what the streets are talking about today is Rush Limbaugh. He died. He died. Yes. You know, and um, people don't, a lot of people don't care. <laughs> no. No, I'm just being think... honest. I think, I think, you know, there was a tweet that went out. That Sean King tweeted. Sean King, our I friend. Have, I have Sean it. King, I'll, my friend. I'll pull it up while you talk. Yeah, he put out a tweet, right? The gist of it was Rush Limbaugh died. So for those of you who don't know who Rush Limbaugh is, mm -hmm. he's a conservative pundit. Yeah, and you know he's a been radio, radio host yeah. and mm -hmm. racist. Well, he's not racist now because he's 
deceased, but and a lot of people feel like so that he's deceased. Yeah, well, you know, I think that um, Sean King wrote this tweet, and this is important, right? Sean uh, is my he friend. He says Rush Limbaugh attacked me on air for years. Did the same to many people I care about. We never mentioned his name, but he was obsessed with us and abused us for profit. He was a lifelong racist, sexist, bigot, and now he's dead. That's all, right? And I, you know, when I saw that tweet, I was really like, okay, that's everything I want to say summed up in one. I my um experience and, and understanding of Rush Limbaugh extends far, right? Even beyond this current movement, this current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how much of his rhetoric and his political stance has been detrimental, dangerous for communities of color. Um, of course, for the black community, uh, but certainly, like sometimes I think Rush Limbaugh was was a little bit too racist even for Fox News, and that's hard to that's hard because he that's you know had to one. go on satellite radio so he could really kick it. And the previous president, who we shall not name, I try working so hard on not saying his name, just gave him right before leaving office a Medal of Honor. Uh, and this is a man who was divisive, as Sean said. He attacked leaders, activists, organizers every day. Um, you know, he he just was was not a good person. And I think very similar to when John McCain died, that we have to tell the truth about people when they die. We can't recreate like, you know, mm-hmm. history in order to honor folks just because they died. And I know that in birth and death, those are two times when we try to see the positive. But if someone lives their life raising hell and 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 actually causing harm to communities, we need to tell that truth. And I think that was the point of what Sean was saying. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's not sit here and start talking about, oh, he was an American radio host and, you know, he broke this record and he did. You can talk about those things but make sure that it's not in isolation of saying that he also was a racist and a bigot. And again, that his rhetoric and his own organizing was harmful to a lot of people uh, individually and collectively. I mean, he he literally was the sounding board for 45 and his racism. Yeah, he, he's somebody that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to, right? Right. But when I did hear him, it was always something negative. That's right. You know, there was never anything positive that, you know, had to do with us, especially as organizers in in communities of color, you know, in despair. He never said anything that was like, oh, okay. You know, there are some people on Fox News that might have an opinion that I I kind of understand sometimes. I, try, I don't think it, Rush yeah. Limbo, Limbaugh, Limbaugh, <laughs> Limbaugh uh-huh. ever said anything that you know that I agree with. So when we look at these tweets, is, is it okay? Is it okay that we say, "Yo, you dead," and and we don't care? You know, is, is it okay? Is that is that crass? Well, is you that know, the, the thing lack of, of class? Is or is, are I don't think it's a lack of have class grace to be able to do that. Should I don't we? think it's a lack of class. I think that we as black people are so uh, loving and caring, and that's something that I don't want us to lose. Right? You know, our our big mamas. Um, and Big Papa's taught us that 
we are always to show grace, even when someone has done something harmful, that it's our job to be the to take the higher road. And so I guess it's one of those things where they say, if you're not going to say anything positive, or if you're not going to put it in the proper context, the way I feel Sean has, uh, don't say anything at all, because sometimes your silence is also, uh, it's, 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 it, it is, your silence is deafening, right? People mm -hmm. can hear it. It's so powerful. I think that's, that's one part. But as I said, the same thing happened with John McCain. I mean, this is an individual who, um, you know, towards the end of his life, he obviously began to understand the importance of his legacy and started trying to do things to be more progressive as a Republican. Um, but prior to, for many, many years, like he didn't support Dr. King having a, a special holiday. He stood against all the progressive uh, policies that were that that people were working really hard to get done during you know civil rights era or at least after that once he became a legislator and you can't just ignore that and you can't say that just because he served the country yeah. that now once he passes away we're going to glorify and just forget and just about all the, the other the pain things. and hurt and by the way there are people who are mean evil they do a lot of crazy things and all of that but there are people who are in positions of power and have major megaphones at their disposal. And those individuals, you have to tell the truth. So I think telling the truth and saying, I don't care that a man died are probably two different things. And Big Mama probably won't like us saying, I don't care. Your emotions and how you express your feelings is none of someone else's business, right? You don't get to tell me that I have to wish someone well. Or I have to wish someone to rest in peace. You don't get to tell me that I have to be silent about my pain, that you caused harm to me, that really affected me in a way. Because you can listen, when you listen to Sean King, and if you know Sean King and you understand the amount of, you know, threat, death threats and things yeah. that he has received as a result of the things that Rush Limbaugh and has other done. People like them. And yeah. like him has done. Yeah. So when he expresses those sentiments, he, he has every right to, because while those people were alive, they were actually working to take his life from yeah, him. Or at least to set him up. Exactly. They were putting sure him in a position to where him. his life was uncomfortable yeah. or to where he could actually lose his life. Yeah, right. So when you when you are you are a detriment to my life and my survival, and then you lose your life, I am actually feel okay. I feel like I have an opportunity to live longer now because you're one less threat that I have to deal with. Yeah. So people have to, you have to acknowledge that everyone is not going to be pain. They're not going to feel sorry. They're not going to rest in peace. They're not going to say that. Some people are going to be relieved that people who have harmed them, who have threatened their lives are gone. Well, I guess, I, I mean, I guess I agree with you because I feel like, I mean, you know, I still, I'm, I'm called to my higher moral conscience. But I also understand that when the when the slave master died, the the slaves were the enslaved they individuals. They rejoiced because again, they didn't have to take that's one lash one less lashing that they had to actually deal with. So I guess it's something that we have to reconcile within ourselves, or maybe not. No, maybe yeah, people just, just gotta do better. Yeah, about, you, we don't you know. gotta worry about how I don't but care how you enough, feel about But there are enough, there are 75 or maybe almost 80 million people out here who they all together. So there's enough folks that will praise and honor and yep. uplift we just um, ain't one. Rush Limbaugh, but it probably won't be. It won't be. Else. 
So this episode today, we're focusing a lot on mass incarceration. It just happened that the last week in Black History Month, we're focusing on uh, individuals who have served their time but are still dealing with the uh, I don't know. I guess the, the residual the, the effects. residual effects, but you know, still dealing with uh, the grip that the system right. has on you if it can catch you, right? right? If it can, if it can suck you in. Um, and again, these are you know not individuals, and I think what makes these conversations so real is it's not individuals that didn't commit their crimes or people who haven't admitted to being a menace to society at some point, right? But when you start talking about folks serving 30, 40 years or 20, 25 years and then still having to deal with long probation times and, you know, parole times, you have to always educate me, probation, parole, get it right, Tamika. Um, They're similar, very similar. Yeah, you know, know, having, having still an overseer, right? Um, You know, those things I think have to be challenged. And just as we are able to forgive or to set aside what some of our legislators, leaders, and other individuals that are revered, just like we're able to do that, I think we also have to live in the spirit of reconciliation, of rehabilitation with people who are locked up in prisons across this country. And so, um, you know, today we're focusing on what more can be done to help free some of these people. And I, the two guests that we have are powerful guests. First, we're going to start out They with... are friends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Our friends, we're going to start out with, you know, a brother who I've grown to call a brother, mm. you know, and um, he's such a powerful, dynamic speaker. He speaks energy into anybody that he speaks to. He He's overcome so many um, obstacles, you know, after serving a 20-year sentence yeah, in prison years. and coming home. And he's only been home four years. Yeah. And um, he hit the ground running. Man. He came sure home did. and immediately, or oh, he'll tell you himself, he had a cell phone. You know, he was actually got locked up with a cell phone. But he, I'll let him explain that to you. But he came home and utilized that cell phone. He went to corners and he did motivational speeches. He did push-ups. He sold his merchandise. And he made everything go viral. He constantly was speaking into the camera. He did some of the craziest things. And people was like, what are you doing out here, Wallow? You crazy. But Wallow had a plan. Mm. You know, and he's, it's such a motivation to see him now with his own podcast, man. Yeah. And, and yeah. being a, a motivational speaker. He got two TED Talks that he's already done, you know, and just watching him live in his purpose and not care. And his whole thing is not caring what you think about it. Right. You know, because right. those were things that led to his incarceration. So I'm definitely, you know, happy and honored to be interviewing my brother Wallow. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. 
State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus that's how we own it so the one thing you didn't say about Wallow is that he's a comedian. Oh, and most definitely. That's, that and that's one of my favorite things about my brother. I mean, he's obviously doing incredible work, as you said. But them jokes, Wallow, them jokes, hilarious. You know this what it is. I I used to be in my uncle room, sneaking my uncle room. Rest in peace, my uncle Weebles. He died not too long ago. And I used to be in his room when I was a kid, and he used to have the uh, a tracks of Red Fox and uh, mm-hmm. Richard Pryor and all that stuff, Bicentennial nigga, all them type of joint. So they used to say stuff that was funny, but it was funny, but they was they was telling us some real stuff. That's right. And, and one thing about us as black people, especially where we at now, we're only gonna listen to people if it's funny or if it's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you go on social media, if, if you don't have one of those Gucci, Louis, Balenciaga, none of that, and them jewelry. And you could be telling somebody how to do something. You could just be, you in a regular suit, and you trying to show somebody how to do real estate or credit, you're done. Nobody mm-hmm. want to hear that shit. Mm-hmm. So I realized that. I said, okay, y'all like to laugh. I'm going to get y'all, I'm going to give y'all some information. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like medicine and candy. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know how, you know how when a baby be sitting there crying, eh, they don't want to eat. As soon as you do the airplane with the spoon, yeah. we, you, gotta, you gotta you gotta do the airplane with That's the grown right. ass adults in our community, man. Or they That's don't want to hear this shit yeah. because nothing is cool but some shit that got that's outside of yourself. Mm. Everything mm. in the black community, everything that's outside of yourself, that's cool shit. Mm. Oh, oh, you got a oh, you got a gun, that's cool. Oh, you tough. Oh, you got on Louis Vuitton. Oh, you cool, you tough. Oh, you driving a, a Bentley. Oh, you cool. I can listen to you, then we only listen to what we think is uh things. If you got things, if you ain't got no things, they will listen to you mm. unless you make them laugh. Mm. And that's why we appreciate you, man. I was yeah. like, that's what I said. I was like, yo, Wallow is so comfortable being him. And that's one yeah. of the main things that he talks about, man. And you was telling us, you know, are you well, you was telling me yesterday when we had spoke that today is your anniversary, you've been home for four years. Today. Four years, four years. I walked out of prison February 18th, 2017. Wow. How many years you you spent in prison? 20. 20. 20 years. 20. Talk about that journey. How'd you get there? I got there because when I was young, uh, and I used to sit on the step, my brother was already in the street game. My neighbor, my old was my old head, Jermaine, big man in them. 
he was in the street game and they all my brother homies was already in the street game but it was times when i used to sit on the step i'll be out playing with my friends and i see the most beautifulest girl in our neighborhood right the most i'm talking about all the fly girls they never deal with the dudes that was working every day they never deal with they only the dudes that was coming to pick them up had benzes and, and rope chains on that's right and feet out sweatsuits and shit on so it was an education taking place then it's like listen man if you don't get that, you're not getting hurt. Mm. And, and if and if and if you're not cool, you ain't got shit coming in the ghetto. The ghetto was based off of acceptance. And the only way you're gonna get accepted is if you got things. If you ain't got things, you done. You ain't got a chance out here. And it goes all the way to now. We talking about we talking about the 80s for me when I was a kid, but it's like even up to now, you got grown ass adults that's like they you got people that's in their 30s and 40s chasing acceptance out here on social media. Mm. So it's like that was the education that was being put down in the streets. And uh, a woman that was like an aunt of mine named Jill, she was a, uh, I'm talking about a prostitute, right? And we used to always sit there, she used to talk to me all the time. And the only reason she became like my street aunt because I was bad. I used to always throw rocks at cars, I'd be cussing. Fuck you, bitch, suck my dick, all that crazy shit. So she, she was How old like, was you, how old was you? I was like nine. So she was like, come here. She was, and she told me, she was like, you're going, you're going to be in trouble and they're going to tell on you. I used to be like, why? Because she's like, you're always doing something. They're not. They mm. just around. They run with you, but they don't. You're the one I always see every day throwing rocks and doing dumb shit and cussing people out. So she used to sit me down. And the way she got me to really sit down, listen, she bought me a cheesesteak. She's like, you want something to eat? Yeah. She bought me the cheesesteak. So I sit there and be talking to her. And sometimes she'd get it, go away and be and white boy, somebody pull up one of doctors from get in the car, come back, whatever. But she told me something. She said, uh, she said, we control this whole thing out here, women. I said, why you say that? She said, everything y'all do is about us. Mm. What do you mean? And when I grew up to understand that, and so I was fact. talking to some women, so I was talking to some sisters in the salon not too long ago, and they were just talking about some, yeah, because my son, I don't want my son to do this. I don't want this to do this. I said, y'all, I said, that's up to y'all. When y'all do, when y'all have a meeting, the women have a meeting in the community, and I'm not putting a soul in y'all, but I'm gonna tell you, when y'all have a meeting in the community. And y'all really start talking and understand the power that y'all have. Then y'all, then things can change in the hood. She said, what you mean? She said, you don't want your son to grow up and be a street nigga or a real nigga or whatever these things, but the dudes you talk to is getting money niggas. Mm -hmm. You don't want, you don't want your, your son to grow up to do this and that third, but you not, you not talk, the dudes you talk to ain't no nigga that work at the uh, Verizon. Mm -hmm. You don't talk to nobody that work at the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the water company. If a dude ain't fly, so it's this thing that's going on, this communication, this nonverbal communication that's going on because in our community, we first listen with our eyes, then we listen with our ears. So we seeing this shit go down. And even now, when you look on Instagram, if, you, if you're a young kid right now, you go on Instagram and you see all these women and, and, your, and your what's name, that look beautiful, they got the bodies, got what's name, they not fucking with, you only see them with boys as rappers or got a bunch of chains on and shit. So it's an education, and that was going on back then. And I was like, fuck that. I got to get me some money. I got to go out here, Rob, and still get me some. I got to put this Sergio Tatini and Fila sweatsuits on and shit. So you said that you did what they said you did. Oh, yeah, I did. Fuck. Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, was so, I was so institutionalized to it that when I got locked up and I went to the courts, I immediately told my public defender or court-appointed attorney, oh, no, 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 we're not. I told him before we go, we're not going in there arguing and none of that shit. Get me a deal right now. Mm. I want to go see on the court so I can get the fuck back out here. Mm. Cause I know they got me doing whatever I, that shit is P 
people going to come to court on me, whatever it might be, the police, all that shit. So listen, get, that was my whole thing. I was, listen, I'm taking, I'm pleading guilty. I'm not even dealing with this shit. Oh, you pled guilty. Yeah, I always used to plead guilty. I wasn't going to try. You understand? Oh, I, I first got locked up at 11. I got locked up June 30th, 1990. I was 11. Oh, and I got locked up the next Saturday. And, I, and then by September 1990, they sent me away for a year. I did a year in the juvenile facility, came home, caught another case, went back for another year, came home, caught another case, went back. I spent five years in and out the juvenile system. And it was like, you know, you get to a point where it's like, oh, I can sit down and do a bit. I'm going to go up there and get a home pass. When I get on a home pass, do what I ever got to do. So it was just, I, I normalized that shit because when I was young, I seen love. What I thought was love and the love that I seen was when I used to see the old heads from my neighborhood come home from prison. And That's just like, it, just like it play, paid it for the movie. Yeah. You remember when paid it for? Yeah. When they uh, come home, he got, he right there. They be there, they got the chains, they got the money. I'm like, oh, that's love. So, so, jail was, so jail was just a part of the, part of your story and the journey. That's a part of being loved. Mm. So I, I became institutionalized to where as though that shit didn't even matter to me. It was like, all right, fuck it. Oh, I gotta go do another bit. All right, I know. I already know what type of time they're gonna give me. They, I didn't already went to these four juvenile facilities, so now they're gonna send me to this one, just then the third. And I get in there. Yeah, well, you know, we think we need to go to get him to the programs he went to before. He didn't go to. He need to go to this program. I, I used to tell the lawyers what to say because I was already in the system so much. Yeah, you know, I think that they get in there. Okay, well, we don't even have to do nothing today. He pled guilty, and if. The uh the, the public defendant didn't do what he needed. I'm standing right up the court. Yeah, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> because it's like, it was like, what is you doing, man? I know I'm going down because I already got a jacket. I'm going down. Mm. So my whole thing, like, Yana, I don't want to waste the taxpayers' money. Uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm just wow. I caught it. I had a street reaction. I I got I caught a street relapse. Please. So I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this, Wello. When did your mind state change? Mm -hmm. Like what what Cause you seem like this was you had accepted it. This is what I am. I'm locked up. I'm gonna do my time. What did it take? At what point did your mind frame change? Listen, when I was in the penitentiary, right, I woke up one day. It was hot as shit. Like the afternoon, the walls were sweating in the cell, and everybody in the yard. I go to the sink, splash my face and shit, and I connected with the consciousness that I always had. I was growing up in the ghetto, and I was always doing street shit, but I always had a consciousness. And I would always have these conversations with self after I did the dumb shit. Like, yo, man, we ain't had to pistol whip so-and-so. We ain't had to do so-and-so. Or we had, I will always, so the consciousness when I was in a cell, I woke up, I said, yo, man, I was living the whole fucking life that, that really wasn't me, man. I had other shots. I could have done other shit. I was smarter than this. So you, 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 you accept, I accepted the responsibility. Like, yo, I ain't never embraced my individualism because I wanted to be a part of the vibe and the scene out here. Mm. So the whole time, just like you, my, you know, you ain't no dumb motherfucker. You was smart. You said to yourself, like certain shit that you done, you like, damn, dog, I was, I was above that, but but it was an environmental reaction. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we don't understand that our environment, it it dictates the pace of where we're going at, man. And that's how I got into the street game, because the environment told me this was cool. Like you got to do this in order to be accepted. So, but when I was in that cell and I woke up, I said, yo, man, I'm on some, I'm in fucking jail for for being somebody that I'm not a hundred percent meaning. I'm in jail and I got this consciousness. I always had this conscience, like, yo, I'm doing some shit. That wasn't crazy. We ain't had to do that. Why we do this, this, that. So I'm like, yo, man, what the fuck? I got it. And then I started embracing my individualism. Mm. And I said, yo, I got to tap into who the fuck I am. I got, 
because I looked up and I'm walking the penitentiary. I'm in the yard. I'm, you know, old head over here, been in here for 30 years. Old head over here, been in here for 20 years. Old head over here, been in here for 50 years. I'm like, oh no, this, this, this my route. If I keep coming back, I'm done. I'm gonna get career criminal status and I'm finished the fuck off. But I'm like, I always was a dude in my crew that was funny, that was outgoing. And I always knew a bunch of people because I was always in, in juvenile facilities. And when I come out, it was people from all different parts of the city that used to be in these places with me. And I was a dude that, and we all together, I was a dude that would talk to other people from other neighborhoods. Mm. I always was an outgoing person when dudes like, no, Wallow, that's Dickie, you know, no, fuck out of here, man. I know dude, we was in jail together. I was always that dude, even on the street, you wanted something, you, you I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't no drug dealer, I was, a, I was a robber. So if you wanted something, it was like, oh yeah, my man, he got the weed. Oh, you need some weed? I got to connect. You need some dope? I got to connect. I will always plug people and I will always connect people mm. together. I was an outgoing person. I never was an angry person. I wasn't mad at nobody. I wasn't a hater. I just was a dude that was young out here living life. And I was always funny. I was always talking shit. I was always a talker. So let me so, let me ask you this question, right? Listening to what you're saying, it sounds like there was an accountability uh, mission that you went on, even from the beginning. Like you said, mm -hmm. very young, you were like, I committed the crime. Let me do my time. So you were conscious of the fact that you had to be held accountable for your actions. And then you had the light switch go on that we're always talking about. We're always trying to figure out when does the light switch go off that people are able to go from being sort of a minister society to actually doing what's right. Those things happen. Then you came home and began to help other individuals. And I mean, I know for sure. I send my son, especially when I'm having a hard time communicating with him, I send him your videos. I send him, of course, my son's videos, Trade the Truth, different ones, yeah. so that he could get some knowledge from, from you guys. So you began to help transform other lives. Now you're in another process of trying to get off of parole, right? And and now I, I think I, I'm understanding that they want you to be on parole until you're 68 years old. Yeah, 2048, and it's like, uh, I, without a doubt, that's going to happen. I'm in the process of that shit now. I've been this shit ready to get. We going. This going to be. Ha it's going to happen. Right. Uh, it was just that. Uh, you know, I was sentenced 19 and a half to 52 years together with two different sentences ran together. Wow. Because in Pennsylvania, I don't know how New York is, but in Pennsylvania, you got a minimum and a maximum. If they give you a 10 to 20. That means you got to do 10 in and 10 more out. You mm. see what I'm saying? You get a total of 20 years, but you got to do 10 in and, 10 and walk. Okay. You know what I mean? So it was like, I just was sitting back like, damn, that shit crazy. And it was like, I was just on some real shit. A couple of people that I know, a couple, couple, couple of my elders, I was out here just living so much. They was like, yo, oh, fuck that. We, what, what? When I told them, they couldn't believe it. They said, like, you, you off parole already? Because some people thought I didn't even think I was on parole the way I moved. Mm. I'm so fluid, I ain't, I ain't complaining. I'm just out here living my life because I'm like, man, I got to live right now. I ain't think I was in jail all the time because I'm always living like this. I'm 41, be 42 this year. I'm like, shit, uh, there's a possibility that 50 years, that 50 years is all 50% of my life is already gone, maybe 60. I don't, I can't, I don't know. So I got to max this shit out and I got to live every day like it's my last. Right. So I'm just out here living and then I get in a conversation with a couple guys that's in, you know, uh, community positions, the uh, political positions in our city. They're like, what? I tell them, yeah, I'm on. They be like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold, hold you while. of all people. Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck? And they was, they was more mad. And I, I was like, man, I'm out. And then they had to sit me down. Like, no, wow. Because I'm just like, 
it might have been a part of me from my yesterdays that was like, I'm just, I ain't worried about it because I ain't doing shit. But it's the possibility of, of anything. It ain't got to be you, Wilder. You can have a dickhead parole officer that pull the trigger on That's you right. and do some shit and get you back in the joint for no reason because they jealous of your success. That's right. I said, damn, you're right. And then I said, okay, let's. And then the petition went up, you know, already it only been up probably like not even a week, 150,000 signatures. But other people in the other places, there's politicians, is on today. So it's ready to happen. Yeah. But it's like, you know, um, one thing that I was going to say was this. One of the reasons that I thought about my when I was young, I had people that was in my life, my grandmama, different people, old, some older guys in the community that was always trying to get me right. But one thing that, that, that the reason they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't get into me, my mind, because they was outnumbered mm. with the street. It was too many people in the street. So I said, okay, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna grab your attention on social media. And what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna show y'all some shit that y'all never seen. I'm gonna make it popular to do right. And you still could be cool. You still could be thorough. Um, you still could be righteous. But I'm gonna show y'all a different lane of what right is. And and that was my whole mission on social was to show these dudes. Damn, look at Wallow. All right, not just as Wallow telling me this, you know, this cost too much to be a criminal. He's breaking it down. His journey. He's telling us the stories. He shared it with us. He's making us laugh and he's giving it to us. But shit, he's saying gotta be right because the dudes that I respect, which is these big rappers, respect Wallow. Mm -hmm. I see him with. Yeah. I see. So, so that's how you break it down to a young cat. Because when 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 you a young dude and you sit in your house and, and you a mother or something, they like this all day. Mm -hmm. They got that in their hand. They on YouTube all day. And I know that I got a battle with some some rap video they might seen with a dude got a thousand guns in that motherfucker. Right. And they got all these views and people and kids saying he cool. I'm like nigga, I'm cool. I'm gonna show you what cool is. I'm cool. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and, and you get in a position where it's though. I didn't been able to do things since I've been home to show y'all not just being righteous is cool, not just doing right is cool. I'm able to, I, I made a shitload of money off of being right. Mm, that's right. Outside of, outside of establishing the infrastructure within the podcast space and advertisement and speaking engagement and, and books. And so it's like, bro, like, okay. Like I told my one young boy, yeah, man, but I'm trying to be, you know, I'm a real nigga. I said, oh, I said, listen, and I, and I ain't want to do it, but I had to do it to him. I said, listen, youngin, I said, I know your father, you know me, I know this and a third. You know, you, you're a real nigga in the street, you're doing your thing, this and a third. But all you real niggas is broke. Mm, the real you live with a little homie? I said, you living with a woman, dog. Yeah. I said, I take care of the women in my family. You living with a woman, bro. I, 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 I take care of shit. People call, I said, bro, I wear Adidas sweatpants all, all the time. I'm, I said, bro. I'm dying for somebody from, from my family, my grandma or something, call me and say they need something. I'm dying. Say, I, I, I may, may, anybody, what, you need what? Oh, right here, here you go. I'll be begging for them to beg me, to say something to me. I'll be dying, because I don't do it for me. I'm not doing it to go and buy, buy Lamborghinis and this. I can get all that shit, great credit score money. There's not, I do this for y'all. I'm putting my Adidas sweatsuit on, my hoodie on anything. I'm on a mission. Yeah, we, I work, and, and I want to say that's real, because when we were, we, we ran into Philly, you know, we was in Philly doing the state of emergency yeah, tour, that's right. and while we was we met him at um, Philly Freeway's son's a funeral, funeral, and he just ran up on us and gave us a thousand dollars to buy food. Yeah, he paid. You know what I'm saying? Like, food. hey, you good? Said, oh, and we like, no, while he's like, nah, y'all ain't gonna pay for no food while y'all here. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's just genuine love, just real. People. 
you know, and it was just you know, love, man. So I just want to say thank you, know, you for that. Man. My thing is like this, bro. I can't take this money with me. I may I put myself in a position to be able to have to be able to create. Like I say, the moves I make today gonna secure the futures of the family members I won't be living to me. That's right. That structure is already put in place, and I continue to add value to that. So if I expire, they're gonna be. But it's about like this, and I don't think people get this. You got all these people in place that's making money out of it, whether athletes, entertainment, don't know nobody owe nobody nothing. But when you got people that's out here that's fighting for your freedom, that's fighting for the people that the world forgot about, you see what I'm saying? Why not try to show them some type of support anyway? It ain't got, and, and, I, and I be telling people, it could be a repost, it could be a yeah. donation. Yes, bro, right. listen, bro, if you, it, you, it could be a share. If you ain't got that much money, get $5, donate something that's because- right. You got people that might get killed out here. Motherfucker, listen, see, this is what people don't understand, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. It's a it's motherfuckers out there that will kill y'all yeah. because y'all pushing and y'all trying to push the agenda for us to have a better life out here. It's motherfucker, like, like for instance, they salute, we salute the soldiers when they go and fight for America freedom. Mm-hmm. Why we can't salute black people that's trying to fight for our freedom and fight for us? Like, like listen, mm-hmm. it's 2021. Wow. You mean to tell me? We got to be out here arguing Still, for, human, for, for basic for human, human rights. Yeah, That's for right. human beings to treat human beings like human beings, bro. Man, we can so sit and talk to you here. all we, night. We, get, we need you. We need part you on two. Part, two. part two. We part love you, two. man. Yo, listen, go follow Wait, Wallow. You got to follow Wallow. I need to know the petition. How do people go sign? I know you said you got 150,000 uh, signatures. I might not see all the links. It's the uh, link. So you it's send the, us it's the link. It's on your page. I'm going to link in my bio on my Instagram. Go follow Wallow. At Wallow267, go follow we, him. We're going to make sure link. that folks can go also watch see show. it right now. You got to go watch um, him and Gilly's million dollars have... worth of game. Shout out to my brother, exactly. Gilly. You got to go see Where's Wallow, where he interviews all of the artists. Like, Wallow is outside. You, if you just got you got to go watch Wallow's page. Every day, he's Every doing push-ups in the rain. Happening. He in the snow. Today, he had his little, his little two-step he was doing. I'm always, but I can't. I I, I want to make sure that we have the two podcasts come together, street politicians, and your podcast also, so I can happen. argue with Gilly. Because yeah. I I you know me and Gilly some days. He's a nut. But I yeah. love oh, Gilly though. I, but I'll be mad. Yeah, he Gilly's still on my running. Nerves. He's still running around trying to tell people beat me in that battle. So we we definitely gotta <laughs> we gotta we gotta fix that. We gotta fix. We that. love you. Yanking in that. We love you so much. We Bob. love you. Thank King. you. Keep doing your work and stay strong. You already know. All that. Right I'm gonna now. hit you up. Be safe, King. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's how we own it. I can definitely talk to Wallow all day. I do. You Every know, time I, I call Y'all Wallow, we on the phone for an hour, two yes, hours. Yes. You know, because we have so much in common. Yeah. We have the same... Like compass morally, like we want the same things, and it's, it's hard to find people that's that's driven, that's find your purpose. Like he's just so comfortable in him. Like yeah. authenticity is what it is, man. So shout out to our that's brother. All Wilder. day long, you talk about authenticity. Authenticity, you man. No, that's what it is. For me. I don't need a new word. Somebody Listen, else needs a new word. I got like, my my word is authenticity. I, I'm not mad at that, but Wallow, he's a good dude, um, and I think you know again. Black history, like all of us take different routes to get to our purpose. And sometimes we have to go through real hard things, like real hard shit, right? Like, right. you know, he he did some hard time. He went through a lot and he and he probably, as he said, he probably hurt people, hurt his family. Um, but now he's a man in his family who's able to take care of folks and he's changing the lives of so many others. And I think that's what matters. And we need to reward those who... Uh, figure it out and get it right. They say the struggle has created more leaders and people of success than privilege has ever. Mm. And you know, well, so and that brings us to our change maker spotlight. My favorite. You know, one of one of a friend friend of the family. We friend of every, the room. The people are gonna start saying that we favor our friends on this and show. And we do. We do. We do. That's true. You so know what I'm saying? Just, that's why we got a show. It. We got a show it's so we can show. bring our friends. <laughs> that's right. Like, that's what everybody else do. That's Black right. people got to be intentional about helping their friends and their family. That's right. Because everybody right. else is doing that. So I I proudly say that another one of our friends that's right. that we want to bring the Changemaker Spotlight, you know, a brother who I've met in the struggle, you know, on the grounds, grassroots, you know, whose father, he actually began being an advocate and an activist mm. because his father's been incarcerated for over 32 years at wow. this point. Wow. And um, he is, he works with um children of incarcerated parents. He's one of the champions behind that. He's done so much work in the communities to end mass incarceration. A brother that I call a friend, you know, he is a, definitely a very strong influence in the community. Mm. Our brother, Tony Lewis Jr. Tony Lewis. The family. How y'all doing, man? Thank Thanks you. for having me. Thank Thanks you for so us. much for joining Street Politicians. And, you know, I was going to say in, in, in light of the whole conversation around friends, it's that we keep good company. And most of the people that we work with are folks who are really on the ground. And if you go to D.C. and you don't hear about Tony Lewis doing right. great, if you say you're going to D.C. to do good work, uh, grassroots work, and you don't hear about Tony Lewis, you haven't heard about anybody because... Um, you know, everybody is 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 saying your name. People are always praising your work. And I am particularly 
always just so um when I'm in your presence, the 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 level of humbleness that you show. Always. Um, but yet still being a giant is amazing. And so I'm glad to have you with us today as our change maker. This is my favorite segment where we get to highlight people I've worked with for a long time. But I know that yeah. even though we do have moments that are, you know, really uh good and we smile and we laugh and and we have positive moments still when your father is incarcerated. And I've watched the journey on your social media where you take pictures with him and, you know, watch you guys grow up together, if you will. Sure. You know, I know that that's still a burden that's on you. And so please tell us, I mean, first of all, you don't even have to start there. You can start wherever you want. Just tell us what's going on, what's the news, and also what is, you know, how can we help you in your quest to get your father free? As well, first, I... Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I admire both of you guys. Salute to all that you do for us, right? Um, uh, and, and, and I'm very humbled by just being able to be in your friend circle um, and to, you know, collaborate with you guys in the times that I've been able to do that. Um, you know, I can, I've continued to fight um, for so economic stability for Black people in, in my city. Um, you know, violence interruption. We 95% of the homicides in DC are black people, 95% of the people that are incarcerated are black people. Uh, so my fight uh, against mass incarceration and for children with incarcerated parents is not just about my personal uh, uh, interaction with those topics, but more my, my city as a whole and black people from my city. Uh, and so as you guys alluded to, you know, I've been in this fight with my dad for 32 years. I was born on nine years old when he went away. I'll be 41 in May. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, particularly with this administration, uh, the president was so heavy handed in the 1986 crime bill, uh, which, you know, uh, did the crack versus powder cocaine disparity, uh, 101 disparity. It really ran up mass incarceration in the, on the federal side. Uh, states also followed that. So it had a national impact. Uh, and then obviously people hear more about the 94 crime bill, which we know was uh, supposed to target violence. Um, it did things like put a lot of money in intervention uh, and prevention. Uh, it, it put some bans on assault weapons, but also put like $9.7 billion into prisons. Uh, it also militarized the police departments. So I think President Biden uh, has a personal interest in, in righting wrongs that he played such a part in. During his campaign, he may mention that they made the wrong decisions, right? Um, and so a lot of the reforms that we've seen in the last couple of years um, under the Obama administration and under the Trump administration with the First Step Act uh, really stopped at you know, a point of being able to do what it really should have done. Mm -hmm. And even in the good steps, it, it gave a lot of judicial discretion. And so it was a lot of people that um, should be eligible for relief, um, but the judge can still say no. And we need to rectify that. And so mm -hmm. I hope that this administration in the first hundred days uh, can use the clemency power that the president has to reunite families uh, all across the United States, particularly black and brown families that we know are disproportionately represent in, in the federal prison system. Your father's been incarcerated for 32 years. Yes, sir. It, and yeah. what kind of crime? Does he have a violent offense? He has a, he has a nonviolent drug offense. Uh, his role uh, as a leader in, in a drug conspiracy here in DC, um, that happened, he went to jail April 15th, 1989. Um, my, my position has never been that my father was innocent. My father was not innocent, right? Mm -hmm. But that those draconian sentences, my father got sentenced today, there's no way he gets life without parole. Mm -hmm. So that's his sentence, right? That's a slow death sentence. If nothing changes, he will die in prison. Um, and, 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 and sort of the, on top of that, it was like 29 people on their case and everybody's home except for his co-defendant, uh, his partner, um, 
who is in witness protection. So uh, my father has not got any type of relief um, during his 32 years. My son y'all, and Tamika, y'all know the work that I do in the city. My father has, you know, not only advised me throughout my life to become the man that I am and steer me away from the street, but more importantly, we've, we've collaborated to help thousands of, you know, young men and women, um, and then particularly people that are incarcerated with him. You know, I helped them when they return to the community to stabilize, get jobs, et cetera, et cetera. We're helping their children. Um, I've actually went to the prison and filmed a PSA with my father. I don't think there's anybody that in the country that can say they went into a federal prison and shot a PSA to steer young people away from, from taking you know, steps in the path that he took. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a lot of redemptive and restorative acts around you know, GDs and or helping other inmates with GDs and, and making positive choices. And the list just goes on and on. He's had like one shot since he's been incarcerated, right? He's been a model prisoner. Uh, all the things, he's been a leader. He's been somebody that the administration leans on to bring peace when there's issues at the prison. You know, uh, So it's been a lot of things that he's done to make amends for his decision. And my father had never been to prison prior to, right? He walked into jail at 26 years old, how right? Old, he, how he, old is he now? He'll be 59 in October. 59. Okay. And we've seen a lot of uh, people that's been in a long time get compassionate release. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my father is uh, too young and too healthy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> according, right? To, Where to is he located? He's in FCI Cumberland, which is in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first 14 years, he was in Lompoc, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the last 19, he's been in, in, in Cumberland, which is in Maryland, which is a two-hour drive from here, which is, uh, you know, that's that's a good thing. But, you know, because of coronavirus, right. we haven't seen him in like a year. Wow. Oh, man. You know, and I, now he's a grandfather too. Not to mention, you know, you I think that's important to add. beautiful baby girls. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, you know... The, the, the traumatic part about that for me is, you know, in order for them to have a relationship, I got to take them. That was my biggest fear. I never wanted to take them inside a prison, but I had to. And so I'm watching me all over again, right? I'm having to answer the questions from my babies that I asked my mother or my grandmother when I was coming up, you know, when when my father, when daddy coming home and now they're asking me when pop pop coming home, right? Um, and, and, and so that's something I got to go through and deal with. That's, a, that's just a, a, another layer. Uh, to this uh, this gift that keeps giving in the worst way. Yeah, man, it's 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 so, you know, it's so contradictory to what prison is supposed to be. You know, you know, outside of murder and you know, rape and and those type of crimes, it's supposed to be about rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. You know even saying? then, it's supposed even to be then it's supposed real, to be about rehabilitation. And, and, they, and those yeah. and and then even those people, they they have people who commit those acts. To actually come home. Right. That's why they yeah, call sure. it the that's Department of Corrections. Yeah. yeah. And I believe in redemption. Right. In my work, right. What I do more than anything is help men and women returning from incarceration. I've helped thousands of people over my career, right? 20 years I've been in this. And I've sat across from child molesters, rapists, murderers, right? Consistently, consistent in freedom, right? That's that I'm trying to help not reoffend it. I'm trying to help to stabilize and, you know, uh, uh, do the right thing. My father, I'm saying my father can't get a chance, you know, so I, I don't make judgment on what people, they pay their debt. And that's the thing, like when we talk, even with this administration, I've heard a lot of talk about ending the death penalty, right? But how do you, what do you do about life without parole? What can a, a person selling narcotics, we're not taking away from the, from the impact that had on our community. But when you think about that from the lens of you lose your entire life, you know, uh, uh, you know, the data has come out even about brain development that, you know, not until 25, even though my father went to jail at 26, going on 27. But my point is his career as a drug dealer started in his youth. 
mm-hmm. right? And 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 he, he's paid his debt. And, that, and it's not just about him, but it's, it's men, thousands of men That's in right. the federal prison system that fall into that same exact category. Mm-hmm. They went to prison young, they've paid their debt, and they should be given a, another opportunity. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. I was going to say, you, you mentioned um, that he's too healthy, young and healthy. And, and 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 I know you smiled when you said it, but I'm wondering if that really has something to it do does. with him being held. Or, do you find that people who are more senior and that are, you know, have different ailments or what have you that the system... Well, just is- in, in this moment, yes. I, when, okay. and when I'm talking about during the pandemic. COVID, yes. Uh, yeah, during COVID, you know... Uh, BOP has taken steps to grant compassionate release to certain inmates. And that's sort of, they wanted to get the, the elderly, the people that are most at risk or people that have pre-existing conditions. Right. And, and so um, at least get people on home confinement. Uh, and some people just got compassionate release. And there's a lot of people who should have been released, honestly, but this was an opportunity. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm happy to see that, right? People like Guy Fisher, people like uh, my, my sister Ebony Underwood, her dad came home and that's a beautiful thing. Um, they were reunited with their families, and really, these are the type of things. I didn't that even know Ebony's be. father came home. Yeah, man. Yeah, oh, man. man, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's that's the young lady. Is that the young lady? Her father? She, she's like an activist, right? Yeah, she's. Yes. she's. Yes, she, we got us now. Yeah, yes. she's amazing. Yes. She's amazing. Yeah. So she, she, her, her, her pops came home, um, and and it's things like that. But when without compassionate release. Those men had, you know, life without parole. You got to really think about that. What is, how, how is that even a sentence for somebody that did not, you know, ain't convicted of, you know, uh, 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 multiple yeah. homicides, right? Like, yeah. you know, so, so, and, and you spoke about that, uh, my son, it's me, you mentioned too about that. We're talking about rehabilitation right. and this country has not, it's become completely punitive. And That's even right. I mentioned the First Step Act, uh, one of the things that was supposed to actually expand uh, vocational educational development throughout the federal prison system. And that has not happened. And I hope that this administration can also uh, work on that. That's super vital because even when people return to the community, they're going through doing all this time and they're coming out of these prisons with, 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 without skill sets that's mm-hmm. going to allow them to be competitive. And, right. and, and, you know, that's that's tragic. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a travesty. Uh, and so the collateral damage that the, the, the 86 bill did, the 94 bill did, mandatory minimum sentencing, um, the collateral damage that is caused in our communities particularly, right, right is, is really immeasurable. And it needs to be real steps uh, towards repair. And, uh, you know, on one end is about releasing people, but on the other end is about changing the dynamics and, and, and creating a culture of redemption for men and women that have been previously incarcerated. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, you know, for me, just hearing this story, it's I hear these stories way we hear these stories way too much, man. So what what is it that we can do, you know, to, to try to um petition to help your father? Like what is the steps? How do we follow you? What do you sure. need us to contribute to, you know, to try to sure. get your father right. home? All right. So so first things first, you know, follow me on uh, on Instagram, Twitter at Mr. Tony Lewis Jr. Mr. Tony Lewis Jr. Um the the ACLU has uh, a petition currently. Uh, afford to push the, the president uh, to use his clemency powers and obviously not to wait till he's going out the door four years from now. We need this now, right? People have been waiting too long. Uh, but on April 10th, uh, I'm doing a free Tony Lewis rally at Black Lives Matter Plaza, which is essentially in front of the White House here in D.C. 
Um, I want everybody to show up. And we also have the capacity for people to, to, to participate virtually. Um, but this rally is going to be pushing this administration to right his wrongs, um, right. to reunite families, and to, to, to really, you know, set an example for also what states should do. Yeah. Because, you know, in D.C., you know, my, my, my father's case in D.C., we, we, we deal uh, with the federal prison system. But this same type of action should be taken by governors uh, across this country. Right, uh, right. In, in terms of state incarceration. Right. So I really hope this can morph into um, a real push nationally um, for people that have been incarcerated, you know, over you know, 25, 30 years, particularly for drug offenses, to be let out. And then not be no long drawn out process. You have That's to go right. before all these judges, like let the people go. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's they right. paid their debt. That's right. And, and, and I think President Obama, uh, in his last year of the eight years, uh, second term, he was trying to, what is it, what do y'all say? Grant clemency, but it's pardoning. Is it the same? Yeah, or com yeah, commutations or pardons. Commutation, yeah. that's the word mm -hmm. I was looking for. Mm -hmm. He was trying to commute the sentences of mm -hmm. thousands. Uh, he, was, he, yeah. he was trying to- He actually to, did, but he was trying to, he yeah. was trying to make retroactive law to actually free the people who were victims, I mean, who were incarcerated for nonviolent and drug abuses. Right, he yeah. did. And he, he, did. he started it. He started, yeah. he started doing it. He started you know, doing but I, it. And he actually, um, he actually commuted the most sentences in history of, yeah. in history of any president. Yeah. But what he was trying to do specifically was, as you said, focus on a particular category and then get people free who fit into that category. And he was but trying to make it retroactively to where with a few thousand. And thousands. this low level thing, right? So, right. so, so low two level, things. Right. He was dealing with a Republican. He, he tried to meet, present something right. that the other side of the aisle would support, yeah. right? And we run in, we run into that a lot, right? right? Exactly. Um, you know, and, and so he, he he set up the clemency piece. He ran it through the Justice Department. You know, what was problematic with that sometimes, too, is some of the Justice Department higher-ups, they made their bones on cases oh, like my dad's cases, right? right? Yeah, and they, they were familiar, right? So it's like, oh, no, nah, you know. So, 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 how do you classify who's worthy of redemption? Mm -hmm. You know, so, so you say, okay, the kingpin, he shouldn't get a break. But the guy who was quote unquote working for him should, or the woman who was quote unquote working for him or her should get a break. And I think that was problematic. That's why you left thousands of people who probably would qualify, who had done more time than the people who got released, still languishing in prison. And so that was a, but that was a great start, right? Yeah. That seed was planted. So now that's why it's time for this administration to come in. Exactly. You know, look at what went wrong with that process. And, and also, if, if it's anything that we can pull away from the last administration, and I think this is important to say, is that how you exude power, mm -hmm. right? How you go alone and utilize your power. One of the Obama administration, right. we, learned what, that, right? we learned that from the, the uh, 45 in them. We 45 in name. them. Right. We, have, we actually showed you. We have to wrap up. And, and I think, uh, Tony, up. what you're saying is 100% true. That, you know, the way in which the uh, the the past administration ran their operation, they knew who they their audience was. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, they knew who their people were and they were going to, as you said, be intentional about taking care of their own. We're not suggesting that there be uh, identical behavior, but certainly the courageousness to go in and say, 
These people have been wrong. We have to right the wrongs. And there's enough accountability to go around. It's not just Joe Biden. It's also Kamala Harris. It's also a number of other individuals who are within the administration at this time. So I certainly yeah. support what you're saying. And I think that while they're in the process, while they're feeling executive order-ish, and they're signing everything up the wazoo, sign something that will free our brothers and sisters who have been locked up far too long and have not gotten an opportunity to have a second chance at life. And certainly I have to say, which I support your father 100%, um, that there are many women, too many women, who are locked up because they were in a relationship with someone, uh, they had proximity to something, and because they weren't willing to either to you know talk about it or they just got caught up in the web and they're doing 30, 40 years, and that needs to change as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we appreciate you, brother, man. We wish we could talk to you longer, but we definitely need you to go follow Tony Lewis Jr. on Instagram. Follow, Mr. sign the petition, Lewis. Mr. Tony Lewis. Junior on Instagram, sign the petition, support this brother. You know, let's get your father free, man. And let's start the trend. Let's get your father free. And then let's start freeing all of those who've been in jail for the majority of their life for nonviolent drug offenses. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you both. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. We're going to have you back Salute again. You, yes, sir. Peace hey, out. Keep love. doing the work, baby. Much love yes, to you. Yes, sir. You already know. What else we going to do? Peace. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> free the guys. Free the guys. You know, Where did free the guys come from? You got to tell everyone. I mean, free the guys is a term that we all use, like when we want to get guys free. But we we intentionally used it in Louisville. You know, Louisville, Louisville eighty seven was the first you know batch of individuals who they weren't a batch. They were the first group of people, well, humans, batch, batch of individuals. <laughs> I call them a batch of individuals uh. who participated in civil disobedience for Breonna Taylor. You know, and no, no, about- they were the first group. You know, you have to be careful because Louisville people will watch us and say other folks had been arrested, like 400 people, I think. Oh, okay. It was the first group that, until, that freedom, until freedom, that yes. until freedom yes. organized yes. to be arrested for Breonna Taylor. And it was about 22 males, yeah. men in that, you know, that um, batch <laughs> of <laughs> individuals. And um, we, that was, we said to ourselves while we was in the cell, you know, we kept saying free the guys. Free the guys. So that was our that was our little slogan, free the guys. But yeah. you know, shout out to Tony Lewis Jr. Yeah, Tony Lewis is a great worker. Definitely, man. I met the guy on the ground and like you said, he's a humble spirit, but he works hard. He's well respected in his community. Well respected. And um and he and he handles business, man. And it's crazy when you do the work he's been doing for over twenty years and you able to support everybody right. else Get and then your father exactly. is still sitting in jail for 30 over 32 years for a nonviolent crime so you know let's support Tony Lewis Jr and keep doing the work brother we see you that's right you know what i don't get what don't you get today sir ah just talking about incarceration since we focusing on incarceration i don't get why people are encouraging especially these young people to do things that are detrimental to their freedom and their survival. Mm. You know, we like... I've been over, seeing you have that conversation. Yeah, but having this conversation, you know, over the last week, there's been a situation with Meek Mills and somebody that I won't even speak about, you know, his and... Name. I know his name. You know his name. And he had with the guy, and the guy jumps out with his camera, cursing and screaming with his security guard, just pulling a stunt. We call this day room. We call it day room in the hood. It's like day room. You know, when you you pull in the stunt, 
You got your security. Some of them are police officers, and they're holding you back. But you're the one that's initiating it. But you got your security holding you back while you scream and curse. And this man is coming out of club. You know, he's all just just got off probation as he's been on probation for 11 plus years. Just yeah. was in jail for, you know, about 18 months, you know, spending, doing a, a sentence. Mm. And now he comes home and you trying to trick him off the streets and people are like, yo, you should have did this. You should have did this. So I would have did this. I would have heard him. Boom, boom. You got to do this. And I'm saying, so you, you're encouraging a millionaire. He just started a own reform, the organization that's getting people out of prison. You're encouraging this man to engage with somebody who's nothing more than a troll, who has already showed you he has no moral compass, no principle. He'll do anything for a viral moment. This is all he would do. You know, He's already showed you his willingness to cooperate with the police and put people in prison. You're encouraging this man to actually engage that person and forfeit his power and his position to somebody like that. And I don't understand yeah. the mind state of some of the people who will tell you these things. You know, there are people that you see that supposedly have followings and have some level of credibility in communities and respect who are actually saying that this needs to happen. Like, yo, you need to do that. Nah, I don't care what you got. You just throw it all away. I don't care if it's on, it's on. And I don't understand the mindset because what you're doing is you're influencing these babies. These babies are paying attention to you. You know, these quote unquote OGs got kids watching them and they saying, yeah, it's, I'm a kid, man. I'm going to risk everything for that. If he say something to me, he call me a name, you know, he going to dictate my whole life. I'm willing to throw it all away for that. You can't say nothing to me because when I see you is on site, I don't care the police there. I don't care what's going on. I'm popping off. And this is a monster. And I, I've never been stupid, you know? And I, I feel like it's a crash dummy mentality, right? It's like you just driving straight into the wall and you saying, I don't care. I'm just going to run into the wall. And I, I don't understand. I really just don't get it. I want somebody to try to make me understand how you actually contrive that thought. How do you rationalize that as some level of intelligence? Mm. Well, uh, any individual with a level of intelligence that can rationalize that, please help me. Do you get it? I mean, I think that the internet is a very, very powerful drug. It's a dangerous That place. everyone is trying to figure out how they can get their one-hit wonder. Um, and, you know, I think that's one part of it. When I watched that video, I was... I, I could see how Meek was not... Not that he was like, I'm backing down, but he just was like, what is ha exactly is happening? And like... Who's trying to get me? Who's trying to set me up? Like, why is this happening right now? Like, let and you could see him thinking about his move. Like, if I do this, then this. If I make this move, then this these things could happen. Um, and and that's an unfortunate situation to be in in general. But it's certainly certainly for anyone to encourage the wrong move. There's definitely people that. You know, our young people don't need to be. Violent. They do. They don't. And you so know, it's, I, it's dangerous because I, me, for one, I say gangster but woke, and people, you know, they call it a hypocritical, hypocritical statement. How you gangster but you woke? No, gangster means I will whip your ass if you jeopardize my life, right? If you are coming to harm me, right? I will whip your ass, but right? but, and, I, but in that situation, 
There that's was what I'm really trying to say. No, there was, there no, was no real threat way that anything was going to exactly. happen. Exactly, and that's what I'm but, trying to you say. Know, but why, I mean, I guess the, then we have to start pushing ourselves. And I'm, I'm really struggling with the thoughts around this because I could also see where there are some folks who will say, well, you know, if, if Meek... Um, is you know making statements about people that you have to be prepared for people to come in and approach but that's, you. That's what, and, and I, I think and I think that's true. That right? is true. I think that's true. But I also know that there was a time where people would like really be serious about a fight, mm. like serious about a fight. Like you know we meeting up, we got to do what we got to do, but not trying to create a stunting or a clout chasing moment. That's what I'm talking. And about. it's just very dangerous in general because. What I saw, I'm be honest, I told you I saw, you know, I could see Meek's head like turning and him thinking. But the other thing I saw was a lot of men whose families would be in jeopardy if they don't make it home because somebody starts shooting or, you know, or they get arrested for abusing another person or whatever. So it's like responsible. We have to try and to I be think, a little And I bit think that comes with wisdom, right? He's been associated. With a couple of things that I didn't think was smart. You know, the situation with Safari, which was alleged. You know, the situation that happened with Quentin, which was alleged. You know, and they utilized those things when he went to his probation hearing. Right. They, they came and said, hey, they got video of this and they showing this. And those were things that were detrimental to his freedom. Mm-hmm. And and when you realize that, right, after you do it, you young, you dumb, you hype, nobody's giving you, you know, the knowledge. But when you start, the best teacher is your own experience. Mm. So for you to experience that, understand that, damn, I actually sat in jail for months behind some shit that really didn't make much sense, right? And then you come into that same situation again with somebody that ain't even a threat at all, right? Mm. That it doesn't even deserve any energy. He's not a threat to you. He's no threat to your person. He ain't swing a punch. He's actually yelling and screaming behind security guards. And you see yourself, why do I have to engage with somebody like this? It's no threat to me. And people are are trying to impose some level of rule that if you say something, and I get it, if you say something, you should be held accountable. You should be willing to deal with the consequences. But the consequences, if the consequences is you yelling and screaming at me, Behind your security, yeah, no. What? Because I'm not. I'm not a, a threat. Yeah. You're not threatening my life. You're not a threat in my my physical being. There's no physical harm that can come to me from you yelling with your camera. The only harm can come to me with your camera is me doing something to you and, and you it pressing being charges. On tape. And it that's being it. On there's tape. no other harm to me. So you know, that's just my take on. I it, mean, man. there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ill will out here, and I and I see also. Again, in this situation, I don't know everything, but I can tell there's a lot of East Coast, West Coast energy, people who just don't like me, people who, you know, obviously feel um, that the other individual who you say we can't say his name on this show, um, that, you know, that, that people know like what he's done. And so I think you have a lot of people who on both sides of the fence are um, just too amped to see people commit violent acts. And that's that's something that I believe we've been experiencing since we were kids and beyond. Yeah. Folks who are, who are amping up, right? And they the amping it up because they want to see, they want to see a violent situation happen. And, you know, so long as they're not the ones that have to deal with the consequences, it's fine with them. But these are young kids 
Um, and, you know, hopefully this situation doesn't turn into a, a thing where it goes on and on and, you know, and, and, and then and social media sort of bullies them into meeting up again or having another incident mm -hmm. take place. I just hope I just want to tell my young kings, man, do not allow anybody to trick you off of your route, to trick you out of your greatness, to trick you out of your freedom, yeah. to trick you out of your life. For stupidity. You do not have to prove anything to anyone. Mm. You do not owe anything to anybody but yourself and your family. Protect yourself at all costs, but don't be no damn crash dummy. Mm. I hear that. So... On with that, that note, note, we're on that note. On with that, that note, being said, you know, we could drop the mic after that. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about? Absolutely. So listen, we appreciate y'all. We want to say thank you for making us number one. <laughs> we number one. Yes, go look it up. We number one. Number one. We got the best that is episode. hilarious. Hilarious. You got to speak that thing into existence, baby. That's we are right. making us That's thank right. you. Actually, we were on the on Apple Podcast top one hundred list. We were like number eighty seven. That's then we, a big now we deal. Number one. And now we just number we one. We just number one, man. You, so it's we not want... like on the Apple podcast nah. list, but you saying that's that's where we at. We they just don't one. recognize it. Listen yet. to me. Sometimes everybody is slow. You <laughs> people are usually slow to greatness. We number one, man. We just want to say thank you for Love making it. us number one. Yes, right. Because listen, I'm not gonna always be right. Yeah. Tamika's not gonna always be wrong, but we guarantee y'all that we will both always be Peace, peace. Thanks for joining. Street politicians number one, baby. That's how we own it. Oh! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.